Thank you for tuning in to the Highest Praise Church podcast. For more information about Highest Praise Church, please visit highestpraisechurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Sherwood Lancaster. Uh, so this month, we actually taken this whole month, and we're literally talking about a, per- a parenting on purpose, being being purposeful um, parenting, uh, not perfect. Because how I many knows this? We just we just can't do the perfect thing. So as a staff, we we put a mark through the per- uh, the perfect, and so we got to be purposeful. We got to be able to be a, a have a purpose in everything we do as um, as a a parent. And so as a, as as your pastor, I want it to be very well known i want you to understand that if this is where you have chosen to 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 make this your church home that this is the place that we're going to pour everything that we have into your children we're going to pour everything we can not only this is your children and parents this is important we want to pour everything we have into you into you it's very important matter of fact next week i'm going going to give you a few things here in just a second uh, and tell you how to parent what is very important as 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 a as a church The the very first position that Kim and I had as, as ministers was youth pastors. Very first thing we did in most cases is that way. And, and so it's always been huge with us and trying to pour into youth and trying to, trying to see them develop in the way they should go. Um, if you're different generations that are here today, so I'm going to, um, I'm going to go to Nehemiah chapter four, verse 14. It's going to be our scripture here for a second. And I'll give you three things that I want to give you as a pastor to, to show you how to parent. And this is very important. Next week, this week I'm going to give you some things on how to parent. Next week is your parent orientation. Parent orientation. Schools get ready to start, whether it's private or public school, wherever you're going. Uh, there's always orientation. You're going to go and find out who your teachers are. Find out where the classes are. Find out everything about the school. How many knows we do that in school and we might even do that with a job, but we never do that in our church. And, 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 and the this, this spiritual well-being of your family is invested in the local church. And so next week is your parent orientation. And so I want everybody to be here. If you're a parent, I want you to be here. If you're a grandparent, I want you to be here. If you know a parent, I want you to be here and bring them. If you know a grandparent, be here and bring them. I want this place packed out because we're going to talk about what we're going to have some of my staff up here uh, from pre-K all the way up through high school that we're going to have you. And, and, and we're going to tell you what it is that we do and how we focus on your children. And not only do we focus on your children, we focus on you. Focus on you as a parent to give you the tools, to give you everything you need to raise your children in the way they should go so that whenever they grow old, they will not depart from. How many know that's important? And I want you to know what it is. I want you to know what causes us to pivot. I think that church should be like life. Life should be like your car. You get in your car, there's an instrument, there's a dashboard. Everybody know what a dashboard is in your car? It's all looking different now. And you got a, some screens there and, and like a computer even in your car built into it. But they're there. They're there for instrumentation. The instrumentation, I don't care if it's a, if it's a 1952 Bel Air or if it's a 1920, if it's, if it's a 2022 Calais. It doesn't matter. There, there's, there's instrumentation there to let you know something's wrong. You still need water in the car. You still need oil in the car. And okay, if it's an electric car, you still got to have power to have it. That's how your life should be. That's, that's how your spiritual life should be. That's how we run this church is we check the instrumentation and we begin to see warning signs come up, begin to see the gauge start going down. Then we begin to pivot. And so we're dealing with a generation right now. Let me give you a couple of generations if, that, that's, that's present here today. If you're 77 to 94, you're what they call the post-war generation. The post-war generation. If you're 68 to 76, you're a boomer. 
you're a boomer. You're the first set of boomers because you were born from 1946 and 1954. Then there was boomers two. I guess boomers, I guess they run out of boomers one, so they made boomers two. And so that's 1955. You're born 1955 to 1964. That means you're 58 to 67. So you're a, you're a boomer too. Generation X. That means you're born from 1964 to 1980. That means you're uh, 42 to 57. That means you're in good company. That means you're favored. <laughs> Hallelujah. Gen X. And then we begat the millennials. Not <laughs> millennials. 1981 to 1996, you're 26 to 41 years old now. Can you believe that the oldest millennial is 41 years old? Okay. But now we got what we call Gen Z, Generation Z. Generation Z is 1997 to 2015. Anybody born after 2015, we're dealing with Generation A or Alpha. That's what's coming up now. But I'm going to focus on Generation Z right now because that's really where we're focused at now uh, in children's ministry. That's everything that is happening. Gen Z is the, by far the largest generation that's come across this planet. There's over 74 million people worldwide that comes underneath the category of Generation Z. One out of every four people worldwide are a part of Generation Z. That's a lot. One out of every four. Barner Research Group tells us, though, that two out of every three Gen Z generational people are expected to lead the church if they're a part of it. So even if they're 10 to 27, they're in there, it's going to take everything that we possibly can. The millennials was hard enough. My generation was hard enough. The boomers was hard enough. Every, every generation has, has something they got to deal with. Every pastor that stood in, my Uncle Billy's here, he's, he's in his 80s. He's been pastoring longer than I've been alive. And he could tell you even more so than me. He's going through these generations that you always have to, you always have to pivot. Even with me, I have to pivot. We're finding we're having to pivot now, even from how we minister to millennials and how we have to minister to generational Z uh, because it's just different. We still, why are you saying the word pivot? And we're going to talk about that next week. But because we're, we got to get, how, how do we get the same message to this generation? Hey, me knows I got to get the generation. I got everybody in here. I told you I'm anywhere from, from post-war to, to, gener, to, to generation A is, in, is, is on this campus today. I mean, that goes all the way back from 1920, 19, in the 1920s all the way to 2020, 1928 to 2022, where we are right now. Still, same message, different method. And right now, and, and, and these numbers don't lie, this is what we're dealing with. This is a generation that's given us them and they. This is a generation that's given us identity crisis. This generation that is, that is completely trying to redefine what marriage is. Everything that is non-biblical. How many of those as a church that we've got to pivot? We got to continue to do it. I can't talk to Gen Z the same way I talk to millennials, the same way I talk to Generation X, the same way I talk to the boomers. Just cannot do it. And so we have to deal with it. So that's what you're going to do with it. So I'm going to go as a, as a scripture. It's a scripture we're going to use. I'm in the book of Nehemiah. I'm in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 14. And Nehemiah said, he said, and I looked and arose and I said to the, to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. This was the enemy. We're going to talk about this in two weeks. We're going to talk about here that, that how the enemy was, was, was coming around. How many of the enemy is trying to come around and, and, and suck the entire life out of, out of you and what you're trying to do and how you're parenting and how, you're, how we're pastoring and how we're trying to how not just a worldview but have a biblical worldview. But here's what he told them. He said, do not be afraid of them. I'll be honest with you. Uh, even as a Gen X, I go ahead and tell you, sometimes I get afraid. 
As a pastor, sometimes I get afraid. And what I mean by being afraid, when I see everything coming down the pike, when I see everything that, that as a pastor that my parents have to deal with, as a, as, as, as a, as, as an administrator over, over, over a large school and a growing school, it, it, it fears me sometimes to see, uh, what our teachers have to do, even in a private school, uh, what type of students are coming through the door, what are they bringing with them? You know, what are they getting at home? What are they getting on social media? And so, uh, it, it does fear as parents. You know, what, 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 you know, what, what is it? What are you afraid of? And he says, do not be afraid because, cause, cause we can be. He says, remember the Lord. I mean, above everything else, and we'll deal with this later, we got to remember the Lord. And everything we do, before we build, we got to remember the Lord. Before we go forward, we got to remember the Lord. Before we start this service today, we have to remember the Lord. And everything you do, you remember the Lord. He said, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and who is awesome. And fight. Fight for your brethren. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. And fight for your houses. How many of those guys, we got to fight. That this is not a time just like with Nehemiah. This is not when the enemy is coming around to just, to see the enemy was coming not only to stop them, he couldn't stop them, but he tried to get them to quit. Let me say this, Jordan was talking about victory a while ago. Victory is not whenever the enemy quits coming after you, whenever you get relief from victory. Sometimes when the enemy, sometimes when the enemy, when he's coming after you, he's coming after your, your, your student, he's coming after your child, he's coming through you as a parent, he's coming through you as a spouse, and then you go to church and you're praying and you break it off and the enemy, he, 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 re, he releases, he, he, he goes back the other way. That's not the victory. That's not the victory. Just because he left you alone. Victory is when you get back to doing what it is you're supposed to be doing. Because the fact that the enemy showed up is the fact he's trying to get you to stop what it is that God has important for you to do. And a lot of times that whenever we get deliverance or we get victory or, or we, we get relief, we think that's victory. Victory is when you start going back. Like with Nehemiah, they stopped the wall. They began the fight. But once the fight was won, they went back to building the wall. I'm saying this as a generation. I'm saying this as a pastor. I'm saying this as administrators and educators that we're in a fight. We're in a fight for biblical truth. We're in a fight to decency. We're in a fight for, for moral values. We're in a fight for the heartbeat and the soul of a nation. And as this nation goes, so, so does the world go. But as this nation goes, is, so, as the church goes, for, for the history of this nation, as the church goes, so goes this nation. As this nation goes, so goes the world. We evangelize the entire world based out of America. That's why God is not done with America yet. Oh, you listen to me. No, America is filthy. It is rotten. I mean, we're the one that's pushing the agendas. You got to understand. We're also the ones that have sent out more missionaries than any nation on the planet right now. That means as Kim mentioned seed a while ago. There's a lot of seed out there. In China, the gospel's being, being spoken. In India, the gospel's being spoken. In Russia, the gospel's being spoken. In, in Europe, the gospel's being spoken. And so many Americans has left here and gone over. Central America, the gospel's being spoken. So many different places. It's being spoken. That means that where much is given, much is required. But where much has been sowed, much is going to be reaped. So we're, America, we, 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 haven't, we, we have not sowed this. And so that's why we got seeds in the ground in the four corners of this earth to see a mighty revival take place like we've never seen before. What we have to do, though, is fight. What we have to do is fight. We got to fight for our sons. We got to fight for our daughters. We got to fight for our marriages. We got to fight for our homes. We got to fight for our churches and not be afraid of them. 
No, we got to fry. We got to join them. We got to give in. No, that's not what we do. Okay? So if you indulge me just for a second, I'm going to go through some things. I want to I wanna, I wanna sh- show you some stuff. I want to give you three things um, on how to fight. I'm up here. I don't want to be preaching today. I want to give you instruction. This entire month is about instruction. I want to teach you. I'm talking to parents. I want to teach you how to parent. I want to teach you how to fight. And number one is how to fight for your family is pray for them. To pray for them means to fight for them. And I understand, I understand that, that you pray for your children. There's no way I'm going to stand up here today and think for a second that I'm in a church on a Sunday morning. This is our second service for auditorium to think that and, and try to insult you by saying you don't pray for your children. I understand you do. But I'm going to give you three necessities on way how to pray. How to pray. I'm blessed. I got my children love the Lord with all their heart, soul, and my strength. My, my children work for us. My, Jenna's now, she's, she's, she's out of state now, but I got a son that, that works for us. Well, you, you know, you know, my, you know, you know, our spouses, you know, our grandchildren, you know, everything. It is, there, there's, there's, there's prayer. There's a lot of fighting that has been involved to get to the point of where we are right now. Okay, and so I want to help you with some of the stuff that I've learned and some of the stuff we apply. So number one is pray for them. Number one, here's one uh, under A. I want you to pray for them. Pray for them is fight for them. If God did not mean to hear us, he would not have told us to pray. And all through the Bible, God tells us to pray. And he tells us to pray because he's going to hear us. And if he weren't going to hear us, he wouldn't have told us to pray. And so I don't want to tell you just to pray. I know you pray for the protection. I know you pray for the blood. I know you pray for all this kind of stuff. But I want to give you three things to make sure you're praying for. Number one, I want you to pray that they fear and reverence God. As a parent, I want you to pray. You can pray all the other stuff. I want you to make sure every day you're praying, God, I pray that they fear and reverence you all the days of their life. That you fear them. That they fear you. That they reverence you. I told a service while ago that if you reverence something, then you reference something. Okay, and um, I probably won't find it anywhere else. That's just me. If if you, I, I reverence God, so I reference Him. And whatever you give reverence to, you're going to reference them. You have a reference, and so you're going to go down and say, "How does how does reverence?" And whenever you begin to pray to fear God upon your children, you want them in everything they do that they reference God, that they reference Him, and and begin to refer to Him to see. Uh, to see what it is that he has in, in, in place for their life. Why is the fear of God so important? First, fearing the Lord will give you wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. The fact that you, obviously the Bible says that in Psalms 111 and verse 10. If you fear the Lord, it's the beginning of wisdom. It's beginning of wisdom. How many knows we want our children to have wisdom? We want to have wisdom when we drop them off at preschool. We want to have wisdom when we drop them off at, 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 at primary school. We want them to have wisdom and, and, and drop them off at middle school, in high school. They go to college. Why are we going to college? God give them wisdom. I'll be honest with you. Wisdom is, wisdom is common sense. Is that okay? It's common sense. God give them common sense. Give them spiritual common sense to make the right decision. Yes, we can raise them up in, in children's church. We can raise them in spirit-filled churches. We can, we can pray for them. But God, whenever it's up to them to make that choice, whenever it's them to make, make that connection, God, give them the wisdom, Lord, to make the common sense they need to make. Because they're going to deal with all, they're going to have, have a lot of decisions that they got to make. It just comes down to common, what is right and what is wrong. 
God give them that. So when we're praying for, when we are praying for the fear and the reverence of God, we're praying for the fear of God because it brings them wisdom. Second thing I found out is fearing the Lord would keep them from sin. Keep them from sin. Why? Because they have a fear. It's not an earthly fear. It's a holy fear. It's a reverence fear. I mean, I know, I know we, we've got away from it, but, 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 but I know in, in my generation, Generation X, we still honored people. We would come to church and there, was, there were people we just honored. Whether it was a deacon, not just a pastor, you, you honored the pastor. You, you honored certain uh, parents, certain people certain pe- in the church. You just honored them. Or you go to your job and, and, and you might not like your supervisor. Uh, you might not like your foreman, but you honored them because that's how you were brought up. And you had it. And that honor was, was a reverence, at least a reverence. And, yet, and, and that's, that's what's so important that whenever we're praying for them, that, that they, were, they, were, they were honor that. So whenever you're honoring the Lord, and that honor comes from the fear of the Lord, and that'll keep you from sinning. How many know it's going to keep, whenever you, have a, whenever, you have a, whenever you have a fear of the Lord, there's some things that you might do, but, but then, you know, you're going to think about God, and you say, you know what, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. Pray for that. It's, it's spiritual. Uh, the third thing about fearing the Lord motivates you into evangelism, to evangelize. Because whenever your children fear God, then because of the fear of the Lord, they're going to tell others about, about the Lord. So whenever there's a fear, whenever there's a reverence to God, you see these three things begin to happen. So number one, I want to make sure we understand that when we pray for them, I want us to pray, number one, every single day that your kids fear and reverence God. All kinds of good will always flow into the life of the person who fears the Lord. If you don't fear the Lord and wonder why this person is getting blessed and you're not, it's because they have a reverence, holy fear of the Lord. Okay? And that's very important. They will make better decisions when they come to know that, that your children will, will make better decisions when they know that they got to stand before God one day. Well, I can't tell them that. I'm ain't going to push them away. Honey, they're getting pulled away anyway. I mean, with a dump truck, man, they're getting slung away. I said, you might have thrown that junk out the window. I mean, the world's coming at them. They're zero, man. They got generation. I mean, they got the millennials. They got Gen Z. They're still working on us as parents. They're coming at them. It's time, it's time to throw everything else out the window and say, no, it's time to grasp them everything that we have. It's time to stand in front of them and tell them 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and, and verse number uh, 9 and 10 and let them know that you're going to have to stand before God one day. It's very important you understand that before you go to make a decision that, you're going to, that you just think aren't going to have any repercussions. You will stand before God one day and answer to everything that you do. And parents, that includes you. You got to stand before God and you got to give an answer. Well, that's not how they do it. I don't want to be, it doesn't matter. They're not going to be with you. Your Facebook friends aren't going to be with you. Your social media is not going to be with you whenever you stand before God and you got to give an account for everything you've done. It's in the Bible. It's always good to talk about the relationship we have with God, but it's also, I feel like important that we talk about the fact that he's a holy, he's a righteous judge. How many know that God is a holy and righteous judge? How many knows that school's not going to teach them that? And don't disrespect your church, which we are. 
but it's time for you to know that. And that's the kind of stuff I want you to know that that's what we teach here. And that's what we want to make sure you understand as a parent. But every single day, I want you just to pray. I want you to pray. I want you to pray that your kids have a fear and a reverence for the Lord. Number two, I want you to pray. I want you to pray for them to be surrounded by divine favor. Surrounded by divine favor. Now, number one, you're praying for the fear of the Lord. I mean, you know, we, uh, my grandmother and, and, and my Uncle Billy's mother, she would always say before you leave, don't, don't go anywhere you want to go if Jesus wasn't there. You, you know, and, and act the way you wouldn't act unless Jesus was there. You know, and that's it. You start eliminating all the places you're going to go and half of what you're going to do because you can't do it because Jesus is going to be there. And so obviously that's walking around with a fear and a, and a, and a reverence to the Lord. And, and, we, and we pray for that. But number two, I want you to pray for them to be surrounded with divine favor. Just divine favor. Boy, as a parent every day, pray for divine favor. What is favor? Favor is the ability to succeed during adversity. God, adversity is coming against them, Lord, but I want that favor. I pray favor upon them. My goodness, your kids are getting, I don't care if it's Christian school, I don't care if it's public school, I don't care if you're going to a job, you're going to a university. Pray not only for the fear of God upon them, God, I pray for favor of their lives. I pray for whatever adversity comes against them, Lord, that they will have the ability to succeed. Another definition for favor is God stepping into one's life or situation to make a worthwhile difference. How many would love to have the favor of God? And how many know as a parent, you are the direct authority over their life? You are as a parent. You have authority. I'm the pastor. You're my spiritual authority. Yeah, but I'm here to give you the tools. I'm here to give you the equipment that you need to go there and use the God-given authority he's given you to speak it over your children's life. And when it does, it has to come to pass because it won't return to God void. And when you begin to pray, you begin to speak and say, God, I pray the fear and the reverence of God over them, and I pray the favor of God over their life. I don't mean just some little powder puff thing, God. I pray, dear God, that you would step in their life or step in their situation and make a worthwhile difference. I don't want you to just give them a little conviction, God. I want it to be so worthwhile, God, that it pivots them into a situation that the direction they were going to go, God, they now go this way. How does that stuff happen? Because a parent has prayed. Someone who has that spiritual authority over them has prayed. And as a parent, you have your children under this house today, under the canopy of God, over people that this is what we meet about. This is what is important to me, to make sure that the kids who come in here, that they leave here, they have a reverence, fear for God, and that they know about the favor of God over their life. Sometimes favor just isn't fair. Well, get over it, guys. That's just the way it is. Hear what I just said? Because that's another thing. Favor, favor sometimes. It just, it, it doesn't, it, I mean, it, it, it's, you, didn't re- you, just, you just realized you didn't earn it. I mean, isn't that great? Some things in raising my kids sometimes and seeing them do stuff and whether it be in athletics, whether it be in the school, whether it be on a job, you know, whether it be with coaches, whether it be with teachers, no matter what it is. And then you realize that, man, Jordan or Jenner or Chelsea or somebody, they done got a hold of, they done a, they, they, they got a leg up where maybe they, you know, as a parent, wow, well, all of them was better, but they got it. Oh, well, that's favor. Favor is that, that they don't even deserve it, but they get it anyway. You know what that sounds like? Grace. Well, let me teach you something. Grace and favor are twins. You get the favor of God because of the grace of God. You don't get grace because you earn it. You don't get grace because you deserve it. You get grace because God is good. 
And with grace comes favor. So, Father, I pray favor over my children today, God. Even though they don't earn it, even though they don't deserve it, God, I pray that you'll do something so worthwhile over their life today, God, that it's going to propel them into a duration that without the favor and without the grace of God, they would never have it. Who's that praying? That's a parent. When the LGBTQ, the they, them, the, 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 the people come against them and try to tell them that wrong is right and right is wrong, God, I pray a divine favor comes upon them that will propel them into another direction. Because that's what your grace does. Amen? Why are they going to walk in that? They're, gonna walk, they're not going to walk around that because they should. You want to know why? Because the devil is. But boy... The effectual, fervent, come on, prayer of a righteous parent availeth much. Hmm? So I want you to pray. Oh, yeah, pastor said pray. No, I want, I want you to pray specifically. I want you to pray intentionally. We meet every Monday as a team. I mean, as an entire team. And then all during the week. Different departments. Wonder why? I want my people to be intentional. The why. Why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we, why are we building this? You, th- you think I want to spend $5 million? You know, and say, hey, and, 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 and trust you guys? Well, God says do it, so he's going to take care of it because the why is bigger than anything else. The why is bigger than the what. It's not what am I going to do. Why am I going to do it? And God's going to take care of it. Why are we praying? Why are we praying to fear the God over them? Why are we praying favor God upon them so they're going to succeed? And the world's completely lost their brains. I pray for favor, favor with jobs, favor over people, people that don't even know. Pray for favor over coaches. Pray for favor over. I don't, he's never. He's never. He got a full thirty thousand dollar a year university to play football. And from the time he was born, I pray for favor over him. Not just be able to, to carry a ball. But they have the academics. I mean, just you know, just just to hold it, to, to keep him socially acceptable, so that when they look at his transcript, he can make God. We need favor. He needs to fear of the Lord. He needs to have it. Then, what, then when they get there, you think I stopped? Oh God, no! Now I pray God for every every professor that comes over him, every coach that comes his way, the trainers. People at concession stands. No one no one get to earn thirty thousand a year. It's, it's more than that now. Scholarship. They fed him every day for free. It's a big youngin, man. Come on, somebody. That's that's thousands, tens of thousands. Favor the grace of God. Pray for ungodly friends and godly 
Pray for godly friends and godly influences because there's too many ungodly stuff that comes out there. So, so we're praying for them to be surrounded with divine favor. We're praying for them to have the fear and reverence of God. And we're praying for friends and godly influences. Well, that's a big one. All influences issues from a source. If there's somebody or something, I'm here to tell you right now, somebody or something is influencing your child right now. You say, well, yeah, I get it. Social media, they got the phone, they got this, they got that. We'll deal with some of that in a couple of weeks. But I want you to understand, with every influence, good or bad, is connected to a source. If I'm influenced you and my wife has influenced you or our team here has influenced you today, you leave here influenced, that means our influence is connected to a source. And there's only two sources out there, good or bad. God or the enemy. If there's a, and there's a source coming after your child, then God, I pray that it's a godly influence. If not, remove it. If not, sever that relationship. Get rid of that influence. How, how, how can that happen? Because you pray. How's that happen? Because you pray for that. I'm not talking about you got 30 minutes, Selena. I'm talking about you praying. You wait. I mean, give, 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 God, give God five minutes. And in that five minutes, say, God, I pray for the fear of the Lord of my child today. God, I pray, Lord, that, 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 that he'll have the favor of God upon you. And God, I pray for godly influence over their lives. And let it take it where you want to. I'm telling you, man, you'll put your lipstick on it if you're a female. And you will... Put your boots on, your tennis shoes, you get to go. You'll find yourself going to wherever you're going, still praying that prayer. You can answer a phone and go back to it. Still, still in you all day long. That consistency. The enemy trying to find a gap in there. He can't find it because they're covered in prayer. Amen. Influences. A survey, a, a, a large ministry, I did it too. They have a at a, a conference they were at and so they, they, they put out with thousands of kids in this, in this um, Gen Z a survey of their positive influences number one out of all this was their grandparents grandparents coaches youth pastors pastors relatives these were the top one, two, three, four, five top five one thing you didn't notice, not necessarily the parents that was the top influencers. Now, let me say this. They didn't mention it, but don't think for a second that you're not the top influencer in their life. But the situation is this. A coach or a youth pastor or a pastor or a grandparent can say something which was the exact same thing that you as a parent has said. And they act like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I'm like, what the heck are you talking about right now? I've said it. I preached it. Weren't afraid of needles and I would have tattooed it. Amongst other reasons I went. But anyway, nothing wrong. I'm just saying. But let somebody else with another influence come up. And it's like, wow, who gives a rip as long as they get it? 
praying for godly influences and godly friends in their life. I don't care how many times I've been trying to get to them, put somebody in their life to what it is I've been trying to tell them that bless God, it'll get to them. I don't care if it's a coach. I don't care if it's a teacher. I don't care if it's a preacher. I don't care if it's the guy at the store, God. Let it be someone that speaks. How is that going to happen? How is it going to come through every resistance that the enemy's putting up so that what you've been teaching them hasn't penetrated? Because you continue to pray and you're going to take the devil off guard and he's going to come around back and someone he least respect is going to say, this is what you need to do. Amen. Okay, I'm gonna clock out. It's got two more, it's gonna be easy. Okay, so we know how to pray. You know how to pray for your kids? We're gonna know what to pray. Pray for godly influences, godly friends. Pray for them to be surrounded by with divine favor and pray for the fear of the Lord. How many can do that? How many, who, how many is gonna do that every single day? Amen. Okay, number two, prioritize. Number one was pray, number two is prioritize. Our priorities has changed, church. It's not just neat to come to church anymore. It's not just cool, not just different. It's a priority now. Choose you to stay. Who are you going to serve? So you got to prioritize. You got to get them in church. It's a priority. That's why next week I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to let you hear. What our priorities are as a church should be important. If I was, I've done done this, but if I was raising kids again and I was, I was sitting and I was you sitting here, I need to know. I need to know what you think about my Gen Z student here. I need to know exactly what your intentions are with them. I need to know, are you filling them full of coloring books and crayons and butter cookies? Or are you telling them what they need to know when they go into a world that's trying to snatch them away from everything that we believe in? Does it matter to you? Or are we just trying to be sociably acceptable? Are we trying not to step on any toes? I'll step on your toes. I'll step on your fingers. I'll step on your head if I have to to get you to where you've got to get. But it's very important that you realize what it is who you're sitting here listening to this pastor. This is important. What are your children getting right now? Drop off on Wednesday night. What's your middle school student getting? What's your high school student getting? What is your college and career student getting who just has just been completely shifted into a totally different dimension? What are they getting? They're getting the gospel. And we're pivoting. We're trying to how to get it in them, but we're going to get it in them. Amen? Well, I, I told when I came in today, I, I'm going to struggle through this because I'm so excited about next week. Oh, yeah, it's going to be fun. I have a clue what we're going to do, but it's going to be great. We're going to tell you how we pivot as a staff next week. I want you to be as intentional with your children as we are as church leaders. We don't show up this morning and we're going to figure it out. See how many people shows up. We've been ready since Monday. And tomorrow we're getting ready for the next Wednesday and the next Sunday because we're intentional. I don't care who comes. 
I don't care if they're the mayor's kids. I don't care if they're the governor's kids. I don't care if they're the president's kids. I don't care if they, if they rode a bicycle or they rode a Bentley up here. I don't care. We know what we're going to do. We're intentional what our word is going to be. And this is how we're going to teach you as a parent. And this is how we're going to teach your students. We're going to teach them the book. Amen. And you know that. So, what is it? so prioritize. What does that mean? Get them in church. When? All the time. On Sunday, which means Sundays. And on Wednesday, it's the priority. The word fellowship, I touched on that a while ago. Come back to me again. I'm not going to get with it. But the word fellowship in, has to do with the congregation come together, believers. Fellowship there in the Hebrew literally means, which translated into Greek, literally means to sacrifice. It's a sacrificial word. To the Hebrew, it's a sacrificial word. So when it says fellowship coming together, they automatically knew it's going to be a sacrifice. For Satan, not assuming yourself together, the fellowship, it's going to be a sacrifice. To 2022, if we got nothing else to do, let's see, we can't go nowhere else because we spend all our money. Um, so I guess we'll come to church because school's going to start back in a couple of weeks. So we need to go find out, okay, everything's cool. So we'll come for a couple of weeks and see what we can get. But then by October, we won't see you again. Because it might cost you something. I'm telling you something right now. To fellowship with your brethren is going to be a sacrifice. Make it, do it, and make it a priority. Well, my claps went down, but I figured they would. So that's all right. Okay. So just so you, I know I'm taking the time. So number one, what are we going to do? Number two, what are we going to do? Prioritize. Number three, what are we going to do? We're going to participate. come and drop them off don't come and sit in here boy I'm telling you they know it they, they, especially in, in Hannah's department which is, which is elementary on down she's probably tired of hearing me see it parents, 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 parents several years ago I, I, I've, I've done Jimmy done all, I've done it all worship team believe it or not assistant pastor youth pastor been an evangelist, been on a mission field, been a, one thing I never did, they never put senior citizens, they never put me in with a, a room full of children. Never did. Never did. Knew nothing about it. So, several years ago, we had a, had an opening and Kim Jenny has always handled that from the very beginning and then, uh, so, so that year, I just, I says, I said, I'm going to a conference. She's going to what? Kim was tied up with the school. So I said, I'm going to a children's conference. Because I know nothing about it. I know nothing about children. I mean, I know what I want, but everything else, I can get in and do. I can, I've done it. I can get in. I'm a youth pastor. I can, I, I probably tell them more information they need to hear about the worship team and all this kind of stuff. And I went, I went to a conference. I came back. And all the, I, long story short, I came back was the emphasis on the parents. So I came back and said, Yes. We forgot about the parents. Come on, parents, be honest with you. For generations, for years and years and years, we better are trying to teach your kids, and we forgot about you as a parent, which means whatever we're teaching, whatever memory verse we're teaching you about there, whatever, 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 whatever story we just taught your kid, and we're going to teach them to hold them up. It's the, don't you think it'd be important that you know what it is so you can continue to, to just, to, 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 
impress that upon that child and go there? I mean, and I mean, if you think you're, I'm talking about the generational, gener, generational ex who needs a lot of help. How about, how about the millennials and the Gen X people who are trying to raise these kids? Don't you need some help too? And so, so, so we've, we've, we've found out that it's very important that, that we pour into the parent. That, so the parent can participate in what their child is doing. Everything's social media. Now, whenever I went and picked up Jordan and Jenna when they were small, we'd pick them up and there'd be like 10 pieces of paper. They colored this, they learned this, we do this. And he had like these, all these, so by the time Jordan and Jenna's come together, we got in our car. You, you, you remember, we get in the car and you just, and, and then by Thursday, it's like, what's down on my feet? It's all these papers they gave you from church when you're picking them up. And you're going to throw them away. I mean, so you imagine millennials picking their kids up with a bunch of, what is this, paper? Oh, you write on this? Can you just send me something? Can you text me? Come on now. My generation, uh, will you write it down? Come on, y'all, write it down. Write it down to me, Melody. Write it. Okay, I understand. Will you write on a piece of paper for me and put it on my desk? Thank you. Now, Jordan, email him. Text him. Two different generations. Generation I'm dealing with right now, email him. Text him. See what just happened? We're pivoting. Yeah, they have it. So we're doing that and we're working on that. So you got to participate in what it is that we're emailing you and we're texting you. Instagramming you and Googling you and whatever it is, all the stuff that we do. Amen? So you can participate in your kids and what they're doing. Participate in your child's spiritual development. Participate in the development of this generation. You say, well, I don't have any kids. My kids live on the other, other side of the nation. And all this doesn't matter. If you can't participate in your own kids, how about participate in a generation? Huh? Come on, everybody stand up. I'm done. We are, come on. That was a good clap. Everybody clap again. That was really good. We're going to participate in a generation. You know who my, you know, you know who my favorite people are? Let me back up. You know who some of my favorite people are? Are the people who love my favorite people. What you know what I just said? And I'll be honest with you, what we're going through this month, you know who your favorite people are? Your children. And you love people who make your children their favorite. And there's a world out there, and that's what, that's what the enemy is doing. Because the enemy is doing a lot better job of telling a lie than we are as a truth. But we're choosing today as a church. I'm not the pastor of every church. I'm the pastor of this church. But we're choosing to participate in the changing of a generation. Well, they said three out of every four generations going to leave the church, which means they're going to leave the gospel, which means they're going to, which means three out of every four generation age person is going to go to hell. But we're staying here and saying, wait a minute, we are not going to give up. We're not going to be afraid. We're going to fight. We're going to fight for sons. We're going to fight for daughters. We're going to fight for the entire house. We're going to fight for generations. And as for me in this house, I'm speaking as a pastor. We will not be denied. We will not just be victorious because the enemy has released. We will not be victorious until we do everything that God has called us to do. And that is to spread the gospel through the four corners of this earth. Amen. And help you do it.
We hope you enjoyed this message from our weekend experience. If you want to partner with us as we see lives changed and God's kingdom advanced, you can donate through our website, highestpraisechurch.com. And if you would like to stay up to date with all that God is doing here, be sure to follow us on Instagram at highest.praisechurch and like us on Facebook at Highest Praise Church. We can't wait to see you soon.